Well, we're about to jump into the message this morning, and as Sarah said, we've been doing the Psalms, Summer in the Psalms, and um, it's been really rich, really encouraging, and when one of my favorite elements about the sermon series, at least, is that we've had some different in-house communicators, uh, folks that are plugged in here at our church, part of life group, that have been sharing the word and giving the message. And this morning, we are in for a treat. We've got our kids director, Susan Ragsdale, It's going to share. So come on up, Susan. Woo-woo-woo! So thankful for Susan. She's been such a blessing. Her and her husband, Steve, just serve in a variety of ways, and just so thankful for them. And if you don't know them, just get to know them. Say hi after the service. They have some incredible stories and a lot of just a well of wisdom inside of them. And uh, she's going to share some of that from Psalm 145 this morning, right? Okay. Let's pray for Susan and just ask the Lord to speak through her this morning. So, God, we just thank you so much for this woman, woman of God and the blessing that she is to our community. And, Lord, we thank you for what you have given her as she's been preparing this week. And, God, we ask, open our hearts to receive whatever you have for us through Psalm 145. We need it, Lord. We need revelation from your word. So, God, would you come and mark us in a fresh way and fill Susan with joy as she shares. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Take it away, Susan. Well, um, I am Susan Ragsdale. If I haven't met you before, hi. Um, isn't it good to be in the house of the Lord? And um, we have already just had awesome worship and um, get to dive into the word some more. But before we do that, I'm just going to take a little bit of time to introduce myself because I know that there's a lot of you that don't know me or you might have just seen my face and don't know much about me. So I'll take a few minutes to give you a little bit of my life story. Um, <laughs> when you're as old as I am, it could take a long time, so I had to do a condensed version. Um, but um, I just want to start out with um, I was blessed um, to be born into a Christian family. My dad was a preacher, um, so when I was growing up, I had parents that loved God and wanted to serve him. Um, when I was three years old, I asked Jesus into my heart. And I think that a little bit of the reason I love children's ministry so much is because I know that seeds are sown into little kids, and um, it was true in my life. My parents, though, you know, when you're three, it's kind of like, is this real, or did she just hear about this? And so um, they waited for me to ask to be baptized, and um, when I was eight years old, I asked if I could be. I think I probably would have before, but I was a little scared of the water, <laughs> and so it took a little bit of time. But um, one of the blessed things about growing up in a Christian family and in a good church is that you get the opportunity to memorize scripture from little. You get the opportunity to pray, to be discipled in the word. And I am so blessed to have had that um, as I was growing up. Just for a little geography of my life, I was born in Bremerton, Washington, up in Washington State. Um, we lived there until I started school in Oregon. We lived in Oregon and um, Southern Oregon for most of that time. I moved to Idaho for a year in high school, and then I finally graduated from high school in Phoenix, Arizona. So I was in a lot of places, and then immediately after graduation, we moved to Waco, Texas. My dad at that point, um, he had been bivocational along the way. Um, he, was, he loved dairy cows, and he loved dairy. And so... Um, 
we lived in Phoenix a little while. That's where he'd grown up, and we had a business, but he wanted to get back into um, the ministry and into dairying and uh, found some good and expensive land in outside of Waco, Texas, and that's where we went. And so um, I moved with my family and started college there. So how did I get to Antioch um, in my journey? Um, I was raised in a uh, very conservative Baptist church background. So a lot of the word, but not a lot of Holy Spirit. And so I started dating somebody in um, college that was a worship member in a band at Highland Baptist Church, which is a town in Waco, and started going there with him. It was a little bit out of my comfort zone because I was not used to hands being raised. I was not used to people speaking in tongues. They didn't every Sunday, but every randomly Sunday, I was like, okay, that's a little different. Um, but um, as I um, continued um, going there, I realized that um, those people had a hunger for Jesus. Those people wanted to know God more. And I was thinking back, and I know that in a lot of the churches I had been in, there were people that loved God, and there were people that loved the word, but there was a level that was different in this church. And I thought, you know what? I want to know more, too. I want to get closer to God. So I stayed there at that church. I actually um, started in the 80s going to Highland Baptist Church in Waco and went to college, graduated from Baylor with an education degree. I teach. Um, I taught kindergarten for a long time, and right now I'm presently teaching fourth grade. Anyway, um, after I graduated, I knew on the timeline that I should be getting married. And so um, from that time on, probably before I graduated, I just thought, Lord, where's my husband? I'm ready. I um, want to be married. And um, yeah, where is he? <laughs> I had to learn in my life the hard way, though, that God is the potter and I'm the clay. And he is the one that directs my paths. So, um, I just jumped into what was important in my life, and that was the things of God. And so, at Highland, I taught Sunday school. I, um, they started in the 90s, um, a thing called cell groups. And also in the 90s, um, the 1990s, um, Highland got a new college pastor. His name was Jimmy Seibert. And if you know who Jimmy Seibert is, he's the guy that started Antioch um, churches. So, um, Anyway, he, Jimmy reached out and said to everybody, you know, come to cell groups. He named them life groups. He, um, I got in on the first training, which was awesome. And when, at that time, I was in the singles group at the church. And um, when the person that I was leading, Grife Group, and I started, we started getting all the young 20s in our group and they were like hey can we get a singles group that's just for young adults and not everybody that's single and so we um started that and um i got to be a section leader over all of the young adult life groups and i got to disciple women so blessed for that opportunity that i know i wouldn't have had had i been married at a young age also jimmy um said 
hey, guys, let's um, do 24-hour prayer nights or prayer times. So probably once a month they had those, and my roommates and I would jump in, take the, like, 2 to 3 o'clock in the morning hour, um, get up and go together. It was hard, but, guys, it's good. I mean, there's something about that. Um, I got to go on many mission trips over the years because I thought I was going to be a missionary. I just always thought it would be with my husband. And I was just never had a country on my heart. I thought, well, when I get married, that's when, you know, he's going to that country. I'll just jump in because I'm kind of neutral on which country. Well, um, yeah. Um, so, um trying to see where I am on my notes so I don't forget stuff. Um, G- Jimmy Seibert also did Saturday morning um, outreaches. We would meet at the church and then go out and um, evangelize the neighborhoods. All that to say, at about the year 2000, our church, Highland Baptist Church, said, you know, Jimmy, you have got a calling on your life. God is not only ordaining you. He had a missionary training school he'd already started. He was like, Uh, the leaders of Highland were like, you need to start this movement that God has for you. And so they presented that to the church, and about 250 of us jumped in with him to go. Um, The thing was, it was hard for me. I loved Highland Baptist Church. I'd grown so much there. And, but I, when I sat before God, I was like, Jimmy is where I have been challenged the most. This is where I want to go and continue to be challenged in my life. So um, Antioch Waco was started in right around the year 2000. So um, going on mission trips every summer all over the world, thinking I would have a husband, but one day I was at a world mandate, and God said go. And I prayed, and he said Spain. And so there was a group going to Spain. It surprised me he said Spain, but I jumped in with that group to go. And in the next year, I did the Antioch Training School, and then I went to Spain from the years 2006 to 2008. Um, It was awesome, um, but it was hard. And um, one of the things that's cool is that your giftings are so in you when you do things. I Like children is all over who I am. And one of the fun things when I was struggling with the ministry being over there, because we were a church planning team, but we hadn't gotten a church, and Spain is a hard, hard place. Um, And so the kids, I mean, every family would meet in a public square, and I would um, get an easel, and I would ask God for a story, and I would go out there and set up my easel, and I would draw, and the little kids would come, and um, I would in my broken Spanish, try to tell them a Bible story. So it's awesome. I feel like at least I planted seeds to the little children in Spain. Um, came back um, and went to Belton, where they had a church plant. Um, they asked me to be the ch- children's pastor there. So I did that for a few years, living with the pastor and his wife, who were precious friends of mine. Started teaching kindergarten again. I had taught kindergarten for all those years um, before I went to Spain and then went back into kindergarten. And about three years or two years, I was like, God, I really want to be married. And so I felt like God said that I could go on eHarmony and look for a husband. And um, that was in July. And it was hard, but I felt like God said in the fullness of time, 
then um, you will meet your husband. And um, I did. Um, <laughs> it was in December. Steve Ragsdale um, was on eHarmony. And um, yeah, I, I was actually 50 years old when I met Steve, hus Steve Ragsdale, my husband. And I have to say, it was worth waiting. I would wait another 50 years for my sweet husband. He's a good guy. Um, we lived in Rockwall, Texas, that was he, where he was from. And on our second anniversary, we came up to Eureka Springs for a anniversary getaway. And um, we loved it. It was beautiful. And so a couple years later, we came back and looked for a place to have like a vacation spot or a place that we could retire to so we started coming up and going back fr from the Dallas area um, every other weekend and um, one of the weekends we were going back and we were like why are we going back we just like to come up here so much so Northwest Arkansas became our home because of that and then um, so I um, yeah I had gone to um, Spain with Antioch. I love Antioch. It's in me. And so a couple of years ago when we were up here, we'd pretty much exhausted all the churches in Eureka Springs. It was sad. We couldn't find anyone anywhere that we felt was good. So anyway, we found a church um, that we were going to in Benneville. That was good. But um, I had a divine appointment, which was really fun. One of the girls that had been a missionary in with Antioch in Waco, she was in um, Tunisia the same time that I was in Spain. Um, I was walking out of a dressing room in a store, and she was there. And I'm like, Christy? And she said, yes. And I, I was like, what are you doing here? And she said, I live here. <laughs> so um, not at the store, but in this area. <laughs> and... Um, so we connected again, and she said, did you know that they are starting a Antioch church plant in northwest Arkansas? And I'm like, no. And she said, in Fayetteville. And um, so anyway, long story short, I got here, and when I came in, to, we were at the hotel at that time, but it was like coming home. I felt like Antioch is my home spiritually. I love it, and Jesus is big here. Jesus and just the challenge to get deeper with him is always the cool mark, I think, of an Antioch. That was two years ago. Currently, I'm the children's leader here. I have a passion for kids to know Jesus. And you know what? If you're not working with the kids right now, we need you. <laughs> every three weeks, um, it's a rotation, so it's not every Sunday. And, um, but we'll give you all the training you need. We'd love to have you, seriously. And then I'm also, along with my husband, currently the older adult live group leader. And if you're older adult and scared, it's okay. We're fine. And come and join us. Um, okay. So now I'll get into the message. <laughs> Why I chose Psalm 145. Well, when I was in Antioch training school, um, we had to read through the Bible. And when I came to Psalm 145, I was like, that is awesome. It's got so much of how to live and who God is. And I thought, 
I want to memorize that because that was also something in Antioch training school we had to do was memorize verses. And so I thought, I'm going to memorize Psalm 145. Please don't ever ask me to recite it because I don't have it as deep as it should be in me. But, um, yeah, so that was why I chose it. So we're going to read that. Um, if you will look in your Bible to Psalm 145. If, you're not, if you don't have your Bible today, I know we'll have it on the screen. But um, I would like for us, in just a second, to stand for the reading of the word. Um, I know um, it's honoring to stand as we read the word, so I would like to us to honor the word of God. And so could you stand with me, and we'll read. I'll read it, um, and you can follow along. I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall commend your works to another and declare, and shall declare your mighty acts. On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works, I will meditate. They shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds, and I will declare your greatness. They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all, and his mercy is over all that he has made. All your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord, and your saints shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and tell of your power. To make known to the children of man your mighty deeds and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures throughout all generations. The Lord is faithful in all his words and kind in all his works. The Lord upholds all who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand. You satisfy the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his works. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desire of those who fear him. He also hears their cry and saves them. The Lord preserves all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. My mouth will speak the praise of the Lord and let all flesh Bless his holy name forever and ever. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. God, I, your word does not ever return void. Thank you for your word that goes out and pierces our hearts, Lord. Father, you say that if you're lifted up, you will draw all men to yourself. And God, already this morning you've been lifted up in this place. We ask that all hearts would be drawn to you and that you would reveal your truth to us, God, so that when we walk out today, we will not be the same. We love you, Jesus. Amen.
So this is David's last psalm that's recorded. Um, I imagine he was a lot older when he wrote it, that he had lived through a lot of things. Maybe he was an old man. I don't know how old he was, but it is the last psalm that he recorded. Maybe it's his end-of-life thoughts. But it's strong doctrine about who God is. And um, I was thinking, too, could it have been a prayer? Could this psalm have been prayed or teaching the people how to pray? There's a lot of it that's kind of like the Lord's Prayer because the Lord's Prayer starts out with our Father who art in heaven, and this starts out with um, just declaring God and um, praising him. And then it goes into other things. Um, there's a part about giving um, the food and the, the water to those that need it. And that's in the Lord's Prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. So I don't know if maybe he had written it kind of like a prayer or to how to pray. I wondered if it was a sermon. Maybe he was standing talking to his whole kingdom of people and saying, this is how you know God. This is who God is. And um, I could imagine him teaching it because I was working on teaching it myself. <laughs> and is it written to show us a way of life? I wondered a little bit because all of that's in there. And maybe it was even written how to journal because you can use it like daily. You can meditate on these things. And that's part of what journaling is, what God's showing us. So the possibilities of this chapter really caught my imagination. In verses 1 to 3, it's about praising God. Praising God forever and ever. Every day, praising God. And um, I was thinking about why, why would we praise God every day? What is the reason that he put that forth for us? And I think about, well, first of all, when you're praising God, you're looking at him. Your eyes are lifted from whatever your circumstances are. Your eyes are lifted from the things that might be discouraging or hopeless, and you're putting your eyes on God. I was thinking also as a teacher, um, I've, what I've learned about children is if they're, well, first of all, you know that if they're in trouble, they do something wrong, you're going to say, I want you to look at me right now while I'm talking to you. So if we're looking at God, we're in a position to hear from him. And so maybe that's part of it. Um, I was also thinking, too, in that um, when we're discouraged or downtrodden, um, they also, scientists have said, not only um, looking up does change your attitude, but science have also said that your mind can't focus on two things at one time. So if we're going to spend time every day praising God, especially if we start our day praising God, that's going to get our attitude better than maybe it would have been to start our day and to go. So David, at the end of his life, or at this last psalm of writing, recognized the need to every day bless the Lord, praise the Lord. Um, and he said forever and ever. It wasn't like this season of my life I'm going to do it, but forever and ever. And guess what? I've heard we do that in heaven. So, so again, what happens when we praise our eyes are lifted up, and it gives positive thoughts to the brain. 
which wards off depression and improves our overall attitude. So if we take this and apply it to what the Bible says here, what happens when we start our day in praise? Our focus is no longer on us, but it's on our Savior. We learn to look up to him. We learn more about his character because, honestly, if you're praising God, you're telling of his attributes, and you're making his character get down deep in you because if you're saying it, you know it, right? Or if you maybe you have to say it a lot of times to really know it, but the more you say it, the more you know it. And that helps those roots go down deep in us so that we are like that tree planted by the streams of living water. And because we know who God is, we can remind ourselves of his powerful strength. So not only in the word, though, and I just want to put this plug for praise music in our praise team. Um, good praise is a way good praise music that's exalting God is a way to do that every day too. So um, if you can have good praise time of make sure your words of your songs are exalting God but yeah, that's another way besides your mouth doing it just to listen to the praise music. So in verses 4 to 7 um, it says to tell of God's goodness and it starts out by telling the children of your mighty acts. Tell the children the goodness of God. And um, as you know, um, children are important to me. And so um, parents, it's your job to tell your children of the goodness of God. And also, if you don't have your own children, that you're over and over telling the goodness of God, come work in Sunday school with us, and you'll get that opportunity to tell the children of the goodness of God. <laughs> um, but guys, this is important. I know that when I was little, I got saved when I was little, and if I hadn't have had people that were continually telling me the goodness of God, Sunday school teachers, my parents, other people over the years, I wouldn't have a strong of a root system in me. I wouldn't have a strong of a knowledge of God. I wouldn't um, tell the children of the goodness of God. Um, that's in there. He put that in there for a purpose. <laughs> and then he says, proclaim God's mighty power. Um, I want you to take a second right now and think about your life. Think about um, a story in your life. If someone said to you, um, who is God? Have you ever seen God work in your life? Have you ever seen God answer prayer? Have you ever heard God? I want you to take a second right now. I'm just going to pause. And I want you to ask God to remind you of a story where he has met you in your life. Okay, I know that wasn't long, but I'm hoping that something came to mind. And I want you to know that they're proclaiming God's mighty power, and the stories that he's giving you is powerful for us, too. Um, 
one of the things in the Old Testament said the Old Testament it said is to build an altar to remind yourself um, that I did this in your midst. Build a stone altar so that you can see it, so that your children can see it, so that it can be seen in generations. One of the things that I've done, and one of the things I would encourage you to do, is take some time to look back over your life and write down in a journal the things that you know God has done. Because when you're discouraged and you pull open that journal, you're going to remember. And I, if you don't have a journal like that right now, I would say get a journal and put on it goodness of God or things God has done. And every time you're praying and a prayer is answered, or every time you see a milestone or you see God provide finances, you see healing take place, you hear the voice of God for somebody else, Every time, if you will write that in your journal, I believe that's part of what God wants us to do to proclaim his mighty power, to have those God stories to strengthen us. We need to remember the stories when we struggle and when we walk through hard times so that we will be strong in the Lord. In, Re in Revelation 12:11, it says, When the accuser of the brethren, Satan, was coming after the saints, this verse says, and they have defeated him by the blood of the lamb and by their testimony. There is strength in our testimony. I have um, a short testimony to share with you. And I do ask, I, I do uh, encourage you, not ask you, but encourage you. If God brought something to your mind a minute ago of something that he's done in your life, tell somebody encourage somebody with it. Maybe it's at work this week. Maybe he brought that to your mind. Maybe somebody is struggling. Maybe they've, you've never met him before really, and you're like, hey, do you have a God story? I have a God story I'd like to tell. Um, but seriously, there's power in the things that God has done in our lives. Um, and we want to be that person that proclaims God's mighty power. I have a testimony I'm going to share real fast that is that. And um, I was diagnosed with breast cancer in 2000 and for me that was kind of a death um, <laughs> diagnosis because my mom had died of breast cancer about 15 years earlier well 13 years earlier <laughs> and um, so it was really hard to have that diagnosis but um, God walked with me and he brought believers to be um, encouragement along the way, which is awesome. And as you can tell, I'm living still. <laughs> it's been 23 years. So, um, yeah, it's not, it wasn't a death sentence. But, um, and it, someone did in the body call me and pray with me and say, I really feel like God said that you're not going to die from this, which was such an encouragement. I did have other stuff that I didn't really get encouraged by, but that one I held on to. Um but one of the things I wanted to, testimonies in the midst of that. And can I just say, too, this is my story of um, enduring hardship because I did go through chemotherapy, I did go through radiation, and I did have surgery. So all of that happened in the midst of this. And sometimes when people come to you and say, hey, I, I'm going to go to the doctor and I think it could be cancer, please pray that it's not cancer, or please pray that I don't have this diagnosis, or please pray that this doesn't happen. At some level, yes, it's awesome to skip that. 
But in my life, I am so thankful that I endured it and walked through it because I would not have the strength of who I am had I not had that opportunity to do it and to get those testimonies, to get those stories of the goodness of God. And so one of those stories I'm going to share right now. One morning after I had chemotherapy, um, chemotherapy is like being injected with sickness. You go in feeling okay and you over two days time get so sick. And I was sitting at my kitchen table at that time and I had from time to time I'd gotten flowers either for myself or somebody had gotten flowers for me and those flowers were huge encouragements just looking at them. But well, this morning I was just feeling bad and the flowers on my table had died and I was looking at them and I was like, Lord, could I have some more flowers? And just after that, there was a knock at the door and I answered the door and there was a delivery guy from a flower place and he said, I have some flowers for Susan Whitlatch. That was my name at the time. And I said, thank you and closed the door. And I looked at, and I mean, I realized right there, God hears me. And, you know, in here, there's one that says he's near to the brokenhearted or the downcast. And he, he met me in that, and he was. But the backside of that that I really love is, um, so it had the card who it was from. And so I called them to say thank you, that it meant a lot to me. And you know what he said? He said, this morning in my quiet time, God told me to order you flowers. Before I spoke, my desire, God knew. I love that. Okay, so there's power in your testimony, guys. This also says in verses 4 to 7 to meditate on your marvelous works. The majestic, glorious splendor, the wonderful miracles, so that we can know God more. Um, I, you know, if you, um, God is big and God is awesome, and if you are struggling with the majesticness of God, take it from just a fourth grade teacher. If I was going to create the world and put plants on it, I probably would have stopped at about 20 different tree types because I would think that would be enough to give variety. I probably would have stopped with, you know, roughly 100 different kind of animals because I would think that would be a lot. If you think about the majesty of creation, I mean, and that's just one little part. I mean, if you go to the human body, if you go to the tiniest DNA, if you go to the way the brain works, if you go to galaxies far, far away, all of that, the, ma the majesty and glory of the Lord is incredible. So there's a good place for you to meditate, too, if you want to know more of the bigness of God. And then it says to proclaim the awe-inspiring deeds and greatness so we get to proclaim it. So the three things in verse 4 to 7 that it said to do was to proclaim, to meditate, and to, sh well, maybe that was it. Anyway, that's good. <laughs> All right. Then we go to verses 8 and 9, 13 and 14, and 17 through 20, which are filled with a list of who God is. 
And I put on there, if you can look at that, that is amazing. He just said, I'm just going to read it real fast. God is merciful, compassionate, slow to anger. That was in there two times. Abounding in love, good to everyone, showers compassion on all his creation, filled with unfailing love, everlasting kingdom is his, rules without, throughout generations, always keeps his promises, that's my favorite, gracious in all he does, helps the fallen, lifts those bent down beneath heavy loads, he opens his hand to satisfy the hunger and thirst of every living thing. And guys, if you look at the New Testament, that is both physical and spiritual. He gives us living water and bread of life. Righteous in everything he does, filled with kindness, close to all who call on him in truth, grants the desires of those who fear him, hears the cries for help of those that fear him and rescues him, protects those who love him. And here's David, the guy that always had the battles, but he destroys the wicked. There's something about getting justice that we want to hear. <laughs> so though that is an amazing list of who God is. Um, I heard a guy, um, uh, actually a good friend of mine spoke a long time ago, but this has stuck with me over the years. When you get dressed in the morning, if for some reason you have a button that you don't button up properly, maybe you start in the middle with your buttons and you get done and it was not right, then it, your shirt's going to look wrong and you're going to walk around wrong. <laughs> if we know who God is, if we know our God, we're getting dressed properly. We're walking properly. And we need to know that God is good. That's really the core of it. God is good. And this list that David has tells the goodness of God. What is our response to knowing this amazing God? That's verses 10 to 12, 15 to 21. Um, it says in there, it's awesome. You can just read it. What should I do? Well, we should say thank you. That's the first one. We need a thankful heart. And what I put, what is the opposite? Well, if you think about it, it's being downtrodden, discouraged, hopeless. So we probably don't want to do that. So our response to knowing God is thankfulness. And this is big for your life, honestly. If you want to live a long, happy life, be thankful. <laughs> Praise God. Speak of the glory of your kingdom. There's that speaking part. Give examples of your power. Tell of your mighty deeds. Tell of the majesty and glory of your reign. It's an everlasting kingdom you rule throughout generations. Look to God in hope to satisfy our hunger and thirst, and again, both physically and spiritually. Praise and bless his holy name forever and ever. He doesn't stop. So, um... I was thinking about um, David, who wrote this, this thing he wrote at the end of his life. In Acts 13, 22, it says that David was a man after God's own heart. And I feel like his psalm here spoke to what he believed. And each of the examples, David's examples of a heart for God, 
can help us in a victorious life. Wouldn't you like it be said about you? Hey, you know what? Mitchell is a man after God's own heart. Susan is a God, a man after God's own heart. <laughs> Your name inserted there. A person after God's own heart. Wouldn't that be awesome? David's heart pointed towards God in praise. You can do that, right? <laughs> he loved God's law, which is the word of God. He had a thankful heart. And in, um, in the New Testament, in 1 Thessalonians 5.18 and also Ephesians 5.20, we're exor exhorted to give thanks to God. Give thanks to God with a thankful heart for what he's done. David was truly repentant after sinning against God, and he demonstrated faith and commitment to God. Lord, let it be true of our lives. So, to break it down, what is our response to 145? What is its exhortation for us? I would say the these little things that we've probably heard a lot throughout the years are true to know God and to make him known if we in our life spend time knowing him and then making him known to others around us and then to live a life rooted and grounded in God again that's being in the word being in who he is um I invite the band up now because I'm almost to the end. But um, this psalm shows us how to be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power, which um, that's what the beginning, Ephesians 6.10 says, to be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. And then it says to put on the full armor of God. And basically the armor of God is knowing God and knowing his word and standing strong in it. And I believe that Psalm 45 is showing how to be strong in the Lord. Do we walk in this knowledge? I think that it said in this chapter to praise him, know him, proclaim him. And then I would just say, how do you do that in your life? How can you take this? First of all, I would say, man, this is a great one to meditate. If you've never really meditated on the word of God, use it. Think about it. Take those words that it says who God is and ask him to show you more. Ask him to show you other verses in the Bible where it says that he is compassionate, where it says he's slow to anger. Maybe even stories in the Bible that show those things. But also, um, I would say journal this. If you're not strong, if maybe you don't know how to praise God yet. Maybe all you do to praise God is say, you're good. Maybe it's good to take some of these concepts in this chapter and start using them in your morning praise time, in your prayer, at the beginning of your prayer, pray a praise to God, and then bring your petitions. But journal it. Journal this in your quiet time tomorrow if you haven't already or if you need to be stronger in any of these. I would encourage that. It's an invitation for you to know more of God and also an encouragement to proclaim it. Praise him, know him, proclaim him. And I put on the end of mine, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delighteth in his way.
Your life is so much stronger in God. Let's just pray. Father, to know you is to be strong in you. To know you is to have what we need for hope, for a future. It was when we lift up our eyes to you, God, we are not mired down in the things that are frustrating us or fearful because we don't know the strength of our God. Lord, help us to know you more. Help us to want to walk closer to you. Help us to desire to be strong in you. And God, help us to know you as the friend that's closer than a brother. Thank you, Lord. Amen.